From the Financial Times in London, I'm Attractor Mooney and this is FT News. Norway's one trillion oil fund voted against pay proposals at Alphabet, JP Morgan and Volkswagen last year as it stepped up its fight against excessive and complex executive pay. The Sovereign Wealth Fund has added its voice to a growing band of institutional investors calling for more action to curb lavish pay packages. Richard Milne, the FT's Nordic correspondent, spoke to the Norwegian Oil Fund's chief executive this week about what has prompted it to take this stance, and he's here with me in studio to discuss the issue. I'm also joined by Jonathan Guthrie from the FT's Lex team. Thanks for joining us, Richard. First, how big of an investor is Norway's Oil Fund, and how influential is it exactly? Well, my favourite statistic about them, they own 1.4% on average of every single listed company in the world. They're one of the biggest equities investors in the world. They're very, very influential and they've been taking their responsible ownership work much more seriously. And I think that means they're closely followed by a lot of other investors. So what did the fund's chief executive tell you exactly about what their stance is on pay this year? Well, Ingvar Slingstad, who's been the head of the fund for some time, has been opening the fund up. And last year, he told us about having a new pay policy, looking at CEO pay. Previously, they hadn't wanted to take a decision about how much a CEO was paid. They felt that that was always a decision for the board. But they feel that the debate in society around pay has become so big that they have to have a view. And so where they've moved towards now, they want long-term pay, they want it to be simple, and they want it to be transparent. So he said to me this week that the reasons why they voted against more companies, double the amount of companies than they did the year before, was when it offended those principles, in particular when pay schemes were very complex. So this is an escalation of their old policies? I think we're going to see them more and more. At the moment, they stress that they're very interested in talking to companies, to trying to get a dialogue to explain what the oil fund wants, how they want the companies to behave. They're saying, really, that the big fight will come in two years, I think. But it's clear that they already have started taking some actions. I mean, what they really don't like is long-term incentive plans that are very, very popular or have been very popular with a lot of companies. They think it really skews the incentives. They just want something much simpler where chief executives own a big part of the companies and they're forced to own it for a, a long period of time, five to ten years. They think that that is much simpler. I think a lot of these plans, it's very easy to game them. It's very hard for shareholders to understand what the metrics are on how performance is rewarded or poor performance is punished. So I think they're trying to start the debate. Okay. Jonathan, what are we seeing in Europe, especially around these kind of big pay packages and big bonuses? I think that there's a move against them, particularly in the UK, where you've seen some of the largest packages. People have ratcheted back the amounts that they're paying. There have been a variety of revolts over this. The picture in the US is different, I feel. I was there about three years ago when there was a lot of concern about executive pay and income inequality. My feeling is that post-Trump uh, election, people aren't as worried about it as they were. But the point that Richard makes is a very good one around complexity and long-term incentive plans. It seems to me these are entirely discredited as executive incentives and they need to be replaced with something else. 
With the oil fund, they did vote against some pretty big influential companies. So they're not afraid to take a stance against those. But I guess, as Johnson pointed out, we're seeing a different story with the US investors. And there's a big difference between how European investors vote, which tends to be fairly regularly against excessive pay, and the US investors, which tend not to. Do you think that that will change over time? Do you think the oil fund's influence could move that along? I mean, they're influential. I'm not sure they're that influential, but I think they also respond to changes in society. And I think the oil fund would say, you know, it's not necessarily always them leading from the front. It's they can see this debate coming. And I think that that means, I mean, you do see it in the US a bit more. You do see that they've gone against some of US companies. And I think there have been particularly on some of the technology companies, there's been more of a discussion than maybe on some of the more traditional companies about just the complexity, particularly of stock schemes and how that works. And they'd have a lot more clout if their investment strategy wasn't such a widespread one, because as you say, they have enormous wealth, but it's pretty, pretty thinly spread across the stock pool. So their individual vote doesn't make a huge amount of difference, really. And also they just tend to vote. They don't tend to make a song and dance about it. They won't explain to you why they voted against uh, individual companies in particular. They won't comment on individual companies. So they're very scared of taking a very aggressive stance. But it's clearly something they're talking about. I asked Mr Slingstad, for instance, could they consider one day putting their own shareholder motion on something, something they've never done. And he said that that is something that they would consider. It's a sort of nuclear option for them. They are a bit shy, um, and that does limit their influence. I mean, I think it's a shame they don't lobby harder, that they aren't a little bit more full-contact sport in this. I mean, we've just seen, for example, in the UK that Jeff Fairburn, who's the chief executive of Persimmon, the house builder, who was getting a £100 million payout as a result of a pretty good performance, it has to be said, has announced he's going to set up a trust fund into which part of that money will go to benefit charities. He hasn't said quite how much. It will be interesting to know that number. I mean, just to finish, I think um, Norway is t- it's a democratic country. It's a sovereign wealth fund. I think they're scared that if they're seen to be too vociferous on any one issue, that it's seen as Norway having a particularly sort of Scandinavian moral view on things. They're very keen to keep this discussion motivated by sort of best practice corporate governance and particularly UK corporate governance. OK, so... A careful approach, but more action lightly in the years ahead. Absolutely. Okay, thank you very much. And thank you for listening. And for more on the story, go to ft.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. 
We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.